Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Boston Celtics 123-111. Jamal Murray didn't play. I said pregame that it wasn't a surprise at all, and lots of people were thinking, hey, we want to try to go get this win. Why would you sit Jamal on this one? If he's going to sit the back-to-back, why not just sit him in Minnesota? It's not a big deal. And then Denver goes and wins anyway, so I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one for sure. Uh, But this was a really, really solid win for Denver. It's one of those games that you're going to remember because of how Denver approached it and because of how I think things transpired in a very, very weird way. Uh, Denver basically controlled this game throughout. Let me read off the quarter-by-quarter box scores here. Denver won the first quarter 37-28. They lost the second quarter 26-25. They won the third quarter 36 to 31, and they lost the fourth quarter 26 to 25. So identical second and fourth quarters, losing those by a combined two points. You get out to a lead in the first quarter, you extend the lead in the third quarter, and keep the Boston Celtics at arm's length for pretty much the entire game. This was a really, really impressive performance. And I was talking with Matt, uh, Matt Moore at the game, and he and I both agreed. I don't know if a Nugget had a bad performance tonight. I think this is one of those rare games where you could point to everybody and say, yeah, that guy played well. Some guys played better than others. We'll get to Nikola Jokic here real quick. But there was a lot to really like about how the Nuggets approached this game, how things went. And you love to see Denver have these kinds of performances in front of their home fans, protecting home court. They're 14-3 at home. It's one of the best home. It's one of the best home records in the NBA. It might actually be the best now. Uh, Memphis is fifteen and three, so not quite, but very, very close. Denver has approached this year very well, and they have taken this very seriously in this stretch. Uh, December really started them picking it up. Hopefully, they can continue going that direction as the new year has rolled in. Welcome to 2023, everybody. The Nuggets have the second best record in the NBA and the best record in the Western Conference, having just beat the team with the best record in the NBA. Fantastic. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the starters. We're going to go through what happened with the bench, as well as the stoppage that happened during the middle of this game. And then I'm talking in the third segment about what this victory means, what it doesn't necessarily mean, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up then. But for now, let's go over the starters. Let's go over the great Nikola Jokic, who I'm not going to lie, he's had some good performances against the Celtics. He's had some bad performances against the Celtics. They are a team with the way that they play, how, how great they are defensively, maybe not necessarily this year, but in years past, where they have so much talent to be able to really affect the team on a consistent basis affect the team like the Nuggets and their ball movement on a consistent basis. Jokic didn't let that happen tonight. He was in his bag the entire game and in control completely. 32 minutes, only 32 by the way, that's a really, really big deal. 30 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 8 of 8 from the line. For perspective, that's an incredible true shooting. That is just one of those numbers that you very rarely see 
from a player that takes as many difficult shots as Nikola Jokic does, where he's contested by a bunch of guys. He's maybe taking some threes. Very, very impressive performance from Jokic tonight. And it turns out this is his third time having a 30-point triple-double with at least a 90% true shooting. Nobody else in NBA history has ever done that before, just to show how rare it actually is. Jokic plays this well, 12 rebounds, 12 assists, zero turnovers. Michael Malone made special mention of that post-game saying, oh, and by the way, Nikola Jokic had a triple-double. Maybe he's like his 90th in his career. Ho-hum. Denver is, like, it's, it's fair for people to grow accustomed to what Jokic does because he does it so often. But nobody should ever lose sight of just how incredible the player is, how incredible Nikola Jokic has played over the course of this stretch of several years, where he's well in line to be the favorite, or the front runner at least, to be the third straight MVP winner. He's doing this, this stuff without Jamal Murray in this particular game, but no matter what the situation is, no matter what the lineup that Denver throws out, whether they're going point guard list like they've done now, whether they have Jamal and then no MPJ, whether they're starting Christian Brown, doesn't really matter. Like Every single situation that Denver has been in, Jokic has been on fire. He's been absolutely incredible. Tonight, the Celtics scored 111 points. They could have scored more than that. Jokic's defense against a spread offense like the Boston Celtics, obviously it still needs some work. Nobody's going to argue that. But if Denver can outscore a team like Boston, they are always going to have a chance. Whether it's in the playoffs, whether it's in the regular season, doesn't matter. They're always going to have a chance with Nikola Jokic at the helm. He is the best offensive player in the world. No doubt. Michael Porter deserves a lot of credit for how he played tonight. 19 points, 33 minutes, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. Also had four rebounds, two assists, and a block. The block that he had was a really nice help side block. He's not perfect on the defensive end, far from it. But I thought this was so much better as a defensive performance than he had against Miami. And then he had against Sacramento. Really, really strong stuff from MPJ. And his ability to, I think, recover a little bit, uh, it, it stands out to me. Where... He's playing these consistent minutes. He's playing through uh, the ups and downs. He has to go through those ups and downs in order to come out the other side and be good. But in this game, it felt like he was going slower. It felt like he had three turnovers tonight, and there were times where he did get sped up, to be clear. But it felt like the shots that he took tonight were good ones. There was no real ambiguity about whether he should take some of the shots that he took. He took good shots, and he made a lot of shots, and the team was very good because of it. Jokic obviously stirring the drink and everybody else around him doing really well to stay efficient, but Porter is still finding a way to be a part of that on a consistent basis, and he's doing a great job. I really liked what I saw from Porter tonight. Previous matchups against Boston, he has really struggled, and uh, he deserves to get some criticism for that because... This is a team in Boston where they have strong wings, a strong defense. They have everything that you're going to face in the playoffs, basically. 
uh, from a smart high IQ system to a physical defense to length and athleticism and everything in between. And Porter handled it well tonight. He deserves a lot of credit for that. Not It doesn't happen often, and, and he could have fared worse. But the fact that he turned it around and played really well, I'm encouraged by that. Aaron Gordon got the defensive player of the game chain tonight. There's a lot to like about Aaron Gordon's game. He played 37 minutes tonight and was a plus 23. The Nuggets won this game by 12. So in the 11 minutes that he didn't play, the Nuggets were minus 11. Very Jokic-esque out there. Eerily interesting stuff. The Nuggets matched his minutes with Jason Tatum for the most part, Aaron Gordon's, and he played well with those minutes. 18 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, had all 7 of those in the first half. Kind of an odd quirk. He didn't get any in the second half because of the way that I think he played. He was more of a finisher in that second half. But he also had two steals and a block. He did a good job of mirroring Jason Tatum. Tatum had five turnovers, was a minus 15 in this game. And the Nuggets won the game because they won Jason Tatum's minutes. That was a big, big deal. Really, really impressed with Aaron Gordon. He's always had this capability in him. And he got up for this game. There's no doubt about it. He was very intense in this one. And he deserves a lot of credit for stepping up to the table Providing a little bit of everything. Some of the scoring, like his customary scoring at this point. Some playmaking in place of Jamal. And stepping up to guard the opposing team's best player. The calls for him to be an all-star are real and justified. He absolutely deserves it. Bruce Brown. 30 minutes tonight for Bruce Brown, starting in place of Jamal Murray, who is going to play tomorrow, I would guess, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. 21 points for Bruce Brown in 30 minutes. First of all, that's a great number. That is a number that you don't really expect. And it is born from the fact that Bruce Brown hit his threes. Four of six from three tonight for Bruce Brown. The Celtics were closing up short on him pretty much every time. They were not going to run out on him the entire way. And he made them pay. Four of six from three. He also went eight of 14 overall. So he went four of eight inside the arc. And had an and one as well, right at the end of the game. One steal, one block, three rebounds to assist. Did a little bit of everything. And I think kind of got back to the Bruce Brown, the version of him. Maybe minus the scoring a little bit. But the version of Bruce Brown that does a little bit of everything, that gets grimy, that uh, mixes it up a little bit with the opposing team. Very physical. Blocked a three-pointer. Like, that's the kind of player that the Nuggets need. The hustler, the guy who mucks everything up a little bit. And I think that he did a fantastic job of that. The Celtics are so talented that you're not going to really disrupt them. But I thought he made Marcus Smart work work for one. Jalen Brown got his. Jason Tatum got his. Marcus Smart had four points on 12 shots. I do think that Brown was the main option against him for most of that time. So really, really impressive stuff. And I continue to think that Bruce is a much better fit with the starters than he is with the second unit. He is basically Denver's sixth starter at this point. I do not know what he does with the bench, but I do know that Denver, like they've got, they've got some stuff to figure out with him because he is so much better as a starter than he is as a bench guy. It is very clear. 
The bench needs that spacing. Brown hasn't really been the secondary creator. I think the Nuggets hoped that he could be. And there may not be a lot of room for him to do so, just based off of how they play and how bone-centric everything is. But Bruce, he's been great with the starters. There's no doubt about that. The Nuggets have a very strong candidate to play in the playoffs a lot because of what he can do. There will be different rotations where it's going to get weird, but I do like what we've seen from Bruce Brown a ton. And then finally, KCP hit a couple threes, didn't finish at the rim that well. Uh, He also has the play that he usually runs, the DHO with Jokic, where he's in the corner, Jokic dribbles over to him at the elbow. He wraps around and gets into that mid-range jumper. The Celtics were jumping that play. They were contesting that really, really well, kind of knowing what's coming. So I think the Nuggets are going to have to build in a counter at some point. I know they are trying to get KCP to get an easy shot, easy bucket every now and then. But I don't see them using a counter to that that often. So like maybe it's the uh, DHO, fake the pull-up, pass it back to Jokic, and then run another DHO to the baseline. They run that on out-of-bounds plays a while, not necessarily a ton on that specific action. So we'll see. Maybe that comes to fruition. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, KCP, not necessarily his best game, but he was a part of it. He also staggered with the bench unit. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the second segment. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about that bench unit as well as the uh, major stoppage that happened. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, everybody, it is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. We're through the new year, and you can win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook has over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money on Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Roll Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, it can be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as we get into 2023. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to have fun with for this upcoming season. I'm hoping that 2023 is the best year that this podcast has ever had. So I know I've only done it for a little over a year and a half now. Well, actually, it might be a Jesus closer to two years now. Jeez. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, (laughs) Very interesting. Let's talk about the stoppage. Let's talk about what happened during those 35 minutes. It was very interesting. Denver uh, went into a timeout. It was an official timeout. 6.43 in the game. The Nuggets were up 13, 110 to 97. And when they come back out, the ladder's out there as I think it's been pretty well determined that after a Robert Williams dunk, he shook the rim, he shook the stanchion so hard that 
he tilted a little bit to the side and he uh, like the the basket wasn't level at that point so Denver at that point were just they were just watching they were waiting to see if that would get fixed and then it went on and on uh the Celtics were waiting they were going on and on and Marcus Smart was sitting like right at the three-point line basically for the Celtics in, and just sitting on his butt right in the middle watching what was going on watching what was transpiring contemplating the meaning of life basically Nikola Jokic was jogging on the side trying to stay warm Various Nuggets were doing the same thing, but uh, DeAndre Jordan was also playing rock, paper, scissors with a fan. Christian Brown was taking photos with people. And it was just a very odd situation where everybody's waiting for this to kind of subside. And instead of it subsiding, everything just kind of kept spiraling on itself. And there were close-ups of the level that was going on where they were trying to uh, – trying to level the rim with one of those levelers where you've got the bubble in the middle of it and the bubble is off to one side, of course. So it was very clear that things were not going that great. Uh, It was hilarious. It was honestly really, really funny. And it took a little bit longer than I think people were hoping for, but the arena during that entire time was bumping. It was honestly hilarious how awesome the environment was during that stretch. People were partying. There was a lot of laughter there was a lot of singing and dancing, and uh, they had various uh, game ops attractions. They ultimately did the wave uh, right at the end of it, where they held off on the wave for so long. And I'm very proud of them for doing that because the wave is dumb. But in this instance, you, you just gotta. So they did that, and then right as they started that, basically, the ladders start coming down. Everybody starts cheering. The players have basically a five-minute warm-up and then back on, and you finish out the game. It was a little bit close at that point, but the Nuggets were not going to be denied, and they, they ultimately won this game on the strength of their starters. But the bench is where I think a lot of the game was actually won. You know the starters are doing reasonably well. You know that that's kind of the expectation, right? Nikola Jokic was a plus 14 MPJ plus 11, Aaron Gordon plus 23, but that was because of the bench minutes, honestly. Uh, Bruce Brown plus 5, KCP plus 6. But the bench plus minuses was really interesting to me. Bones Highland plus 5. Christian Brown plus 7. Vlako Chanchar minus 4, but he was with the uh, garbage time unit, and they were all minus 4, so not really his fault. He would have been a net neutral. And then Zeke Naji plus 5. Now, this is against a deep, deep Celtics team that had basically all of their talent. Robert Williams is playing. Malcolm Brogdon's playing. Uh, You had Sam Hauser hitting shots, doing everything that he was doing. And then you had the full complement to starters for the Celtics, which means, okay, Denver's without Murray. They were already starting Bruce Brown. The bench is a little bit compromised still. It's one of the weaker benches in the league, I think. The Celtics, they like to rotate their stars, and they actually play great all the way around, basically during all 48 minutes. So one of those things was going to give, or not actually, it was supposed to just be the Nuggets giving, but the bench was really good for Denver. They had a couple of different lineups, a couple different configurations. Bones was at point. Christian Brown was at the three for most of the time. KCP was at the two. 
for both the kind of end of first, beginning of second time, and then for uh, the entire fourth quarter, basically, he was out there. Aaron Gordon also spent some time with that second unit, and he was in place of, I think, gosh, who was he in place of? I think it was KCP, actually. So they moved Christian Brown to the two and then played AG at the three, Vlaco at the four, Zeke at the five. That's a pretty athletic group, a pretty versatile group. Christian Brown at the two, around Bones, who's at the one, and he's he's not really going to be a switch guy or anything like that, but he was running the offense for most of the time. And those guys were switching and doing just a little bit of everything on defense. Bones, I thought, was an enigma tonight, where uh, you had the rest of the bench. Ish Smith had one shot in garbage time. Uh, Vlaco had... I think one shot in garbage time, but for the most part, Bones had 12 shots. Vlaco had three shots in regulation. Zeke had one shot in regulation. Christian Brown had one shot in regulation. So like in that, uh, during that actual bench stint. So Bones is the guy who's going to take all of those shots, basically. He's going to use a whole bunch of possessions. And the Nuggets are pretty comfortable with that. They know that he's basically the bench's Nikola Jokic, where everything revolves around him, like it or not. And with as many role players as the Nuggets have, that is usually how they just generally run things. So Bones was pretty good today. I think he deserves some credit. 19 minutes, 17 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 0 of 1 from the line on attack, but is what it is. 4 assists, 4 turnovers, the Celtics are a really good defense. Like they're a veteran defense. They know what they're doing. So the turnovers are what they are. There was only one other bench turnover uh, for the entire game, and it was Christian Brown. So not really a big deal. Definitely not a concern at all. And it was just nice to see what the Nuggets were able to do during this stretch where everything sort of clicked for the bench. It wasn't like it's not a pretty thing where you're you're whipping the ball everywhere and Everybody's getting involved and it's a party on the court or anything like that, but it's very bone-centric and he has to perform in those cases. And he did perform. 17-4 and four on 7 of 12 shooting is really, really good. And he was a plus 5. That was the That was the impetus, like his shooting, his scoring. And he was going back and forth with Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter. Brown got a stop on him at one point on a score. And then Brown was clapping in his face, kind of right before the stoppage, actually. Like, clapping in his face repeatedly for about five, six seconds. Bones then takes him one-on-one. They make a basketball play, driving to Bones' right. Jalen goes to the ground, whether it's a shove by Bones or whatnot. But Jalen pops up and gets into his face and is very, like, displeased with how that happened, basically. And it was pretty funny to watch, actually. So, like, Jalen very clearly irritated by the situation. And Bones can kind of be irritating to people, especially when he's up. Bones can be that guy that opposing teams hate, where he hits these deep shots, he sidesteps, he dances, he flashy passes. And if you don't get him and he gets you, then it's going to look pretty ugly for most of the time for the opposing team. And that's kind of how it manifested, I think. So pretty interesting to see how that went. Uh, he controlled the offense 
did a lot of good things. Defense, obviously, it really is bad, just just bad. But there were a couple of possessions, a good closeout here, a good box out there, uh, getting his hand on a pass. Like there are some good possessions where you mix the you mix enough of those in, and you're going to be fine, and you're going to be able to survive as long as he's shooting and playing the way that he is on the offensive end. So it's interesting to think about. I still have my concerns. I still have my feeling that he's going to get hunted. He's going to get targeted and things are going to get a little bit ugly at various points. But I do think that he has the talent to work through it. He clearly does. And letting him work through these things during the month of January, I think is pretty healthy. I think that's what Denver should do. They should try to get him ready. If he stays ready and if he's productive and good and does the things that you ask him to do, then he's probably going to be a part of the playoffs and a big part of it anyway. So hopefully things continue to move that direction. Vlako Chanchar right now is just a sniper from the three-point line. Just very, very, very good from the perimeter. He had some good possessions on both offense and defense. Does a lot of good communication, switching, can dribble and do some dribble moves. Had a nice uh, runner that he banked off the glass over the top of a outstretched Robert Williams who crashed to the ground. That was very interesting. Zeke Naji in 12 minutes was a plus five. That is not normal for Zeke Naji at the backup center spot, especially against a team like this where he's matching up with Robert Williams who had his way on the glass. And there was definitely, there are definitely instances where Denver uh, could have been better on the glass. I think the Celtics, especially Grant Williams, Robert Williams, those guys are very capable of just beating up the offensive glass a little bit. And they did. But with Zeke, he held his own more than more than enough. In that second quarter, especially, he was just so, so good. He shut down one of the drives by Jalen Brown in transition. He switched, he communicated, he boxed out. And Denver in this game had 34 defensive rebounds to Boston's 10 offensive rebounds. That is a good enough ratio. That is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. What's hilarious is that Denver had one offensive rebound tonight. Exactly one. And they won the game, and they scored 123 points because their shooting was unbelievable. So it was very interesting to see. But I do think that Zeke has shown over the course of these past couple games, that he is capable of stepping in, playing a role, and doing some things. It's not going to be perfect, and he, to me, seems like a pretty flawed player at times where the hustle is there, the intention is there, but sometimes it doesn't really click all together, and it seems like that happens more often than not. Tonight, it clicked together, and he looked like a great match against the Celtics, where you're switching on to various starters, you're switching on to other bigs that aren't going to really punish the rim that much. And he looked very much at home in this particular environment. So as long as you're not dealing with a constant presence on the rim, who's just going to just wear him down like a Steven Adams type or a Jonas Valanciunas or somebody like that. As long as it's not that, I continue to think that he's probably the best call for the center spot right now. It's not perfect. And Denver actually mixed in some Aaron Gordon at center tonight, which was very interesting itself. 
But as long as Zeke is competing the way that he does, playing hard, switching, and getting some good defensive possessions going, Denver's going to be fine. So hopefully we continue to see that. And then Christian Brown, finally, he is continuing to earn time. 25 minutes tonight, just two points, just one shot attempt. It was actually very interesting. The one shot attempt that he had, I thought he was going to cram it for a dunk. Instead, he couldn't really turn it over because he jumped from too far out and he decided, okay, rather than chance this, let me just lay it up. But he had two points, two rebounds, no steals, no blocks, but he played great defense. I think the best way to emphasize that, Malcolm Brogdon tonight, his primary matchup, four points, one of six from the field, 0 of three from three. And then there were a lot of other guys that he switched on to, whether it was Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or Derek White or Jason Tatum. Brown was out there, Christian Brown, and was just unafraid and just a part of things. There were a lot of possessions where Jalen Brown, rather than isolate against the rookie, was calling for a screen. He's trying to get somebody else onto him. And I know that that's part of Boston's offense, but they also like to isolate. And Jason Tatum did get Christian Brown on one move right at the end of the first half. It was an and one. It was a really nice play. Went quick, surprised Christian Brown. But it's pretty clear that CB has earned time. He has found a way in this era, in this time, with as much pressure as there is on Denver to win games, Christian Brown is finding a way into the rotation because of his versatility, because of his willingness to do the defensive stuff. And even if he's not an off, not an offensive guy, he's still finding a way. So I've been very impressed with him. I continue to be very impressed with him. And he is a player that I trust to, no matter what the matchup, just give it his all on the defensive end and be relatively successful pretty much no matter the matchup. That's a pretty rare thing. So I'm looking forward to it. He is continuing to build on that time. It does not mean that he will play tomorrow night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It does not mean that he is in the rotation permanently or in the playoff rotation. But I do believe that when he is called upon, he will answer the bell. And that is the most important thing. Second break. When we come back, we are going to talk about what this game actually means and uh, just kind of bask in that victory a little bit. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about what this victory means for the Nuggets. I've got five things that I just wanted to go over real quickly before we get out of here. First one, parity is a real thing. Parity is a thing in the NBA today, and it didn't used to be. It didn't used to be with Golden State. Uh, you had Durant. You had... Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green on that team. You just had a massive juggernaut of a team. And then in the East, you had a whole bunch of crappy teams, as well as a LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers team for much of the time. And then the 2019 offseason happened, and LeBron had already gone to LA. 
everything sort of uh, shifts around where the Lakers get a second star. KD goes to the East along with Kyrie Irving going to the Brooklyn Nets. You have Milwaukee loading up on their roster. You have a bunch of teams that have a bu- uh, just a couple of different stars. You had the Clippers and the with Kawhi and Paul George as well. And that has just really turned itself into like we thought that there was going to be another big three with James Harden in Brooklyn. Obviously, that didn't last. And I think it really just points out that there aren't going to be that many more big threes in the NBA. I think what we found in Denver is that it's a big two. Really, it's a big one and a half where I, I, I am the biggest Jamal fan of all. But I know that it's Jokic and then it's probably Jamal, but it could be Aaron Gordon or it could be Michael Porter or it could be, hell, Bruce Brown or KCP one night. Most of the time it's Jokic and Jamal is going to be the guy that he runs two-man game with during those situations. And it's not going to be a big three, as many maybe hoped with MPJ. But in my mind, that's okay. And what it really has shown across the NBA today, you've got Ja, you've got Jaron Jackson in Memphis, you've got Zion, Brandon Ingram, I guess CJ McCollum makes a big three, but not really. Uh, you've got those guys in Memphis, or in uh, New Orleans. You have Giannis with the Bucks, who really is very similar to Denver, where Drew Holiday is fantastic and Chris Middleton is uh, very good. But neither of those guys is really like firmly in that all-NBA conversation or anything like that. The Cavs are built very similarly, where they have four very talented players, but none of them are really top-tier guys. What I'm trying to say, the top of the of the NBA standings are very much more depressed than they have been in previous years. 26-11 and 11 for the Boston Celtics, 24-12 and 12 for the Nuggets. Those being the top two percentages, win percentages in the entire NBA is pretty crazy. That is a pretty crazy number. And it highlights to me that like the the bottom of the of the NBA as well is just a little bit better than it has been in previous years. So you're getting a whole bunch of parity. You're getting a whole bunch of teams in the NBA that can win on any given night or lose on any given night. And it makes the championship conversation pretty difficult because you don't really know what's going to happen from night to night. But it is interesting. And Denver, as long as they can kind of rise above that a little bit and play more consistent than the general masses, they have a great shot to get the one seed, which leads me to number two. Nikola Jokic's MVP case, it might be his very best that he's ever had. He is Denver's alpha and omega, of course. And against Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics, you could clearly see the differences between the two teams. Jason Tatum is a fantastic player who does a lot of interesting things. He can create for others, but most of the time he's creating offense for himself. What Jokic has done in being the hub that everything around uh, everything operates around what Denver does, it's very visible as to how much more impactful Jokic is in general than somebody like Tatum. Because you have guys like Brown and you have Malcolm Brogdon and 
Al Horford will eventually step up for them. And like a lot of what Jason Tatum does is just kind of like the the sharpest point or the sharpest pencil in the pencil case, as opposed to Jokic, who is literally the pencil sharpener for each one of his teammates. That to me separates what his MVP case is like again. He is doing this once again for a great team. And Denver, they're not really slowing down. Maybe they will eventually, but right now he's playing the best of anybody. And the Nuggets are the second best team of anybody. And when you think about it like that, as opposed to previous years where you're arguing, okay, uh, is he a good enough player to make up for the fact that they haven't won enough? I think this is pretty clear. 2021, Denver was the three seed, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. Last year, it was. This year, I think he's going to have both arguments where he is the best player and he's also on the best team or somewhere close to it. Number three. This game showed me that Zeke at bench center might just not be hopeless. It might not be as hopeless as people thought. I had initially thought, okay, let's see this. Let's try this. Let's figure it out. But it was clear to me that Zeke was a pack. He was a power forward. He's just a guy that you throw into the mix in the rotation. Maybe not necessarily a consistent every night guy, but on certain matchups, he can be bigger than other power forwards. He can match up with the big bodies and he will switch capably onto whoever he needs to. Yada, yada, yada. This night showed me that Zeke, especially in a playoff context, might not be bad. Might not be a bad option. Might not be hopeless. The Celtics are always going to hunt matchups. They're always going to try to switch. And teams like that, they would be targeting DeAndre Jordan. They would be targeting a player like him. I doubt that they target Jeff Green. I doubt that they target Vlako Chanchar or whoever. But they would probably target DeAndre Jordan to the point where I think everybody's pretty clear it's not going to be a DeAndre thing in the playoffs. We don't know if it's going to be Zeke or not in the playoffs. We don't know what it's going to look like, how much trust he's going to gain. But what I do know is that he has a tangible NBA skill right now that is translatable to the playoffs, and that is switch defense. He is so good at sliding his feet, at not necessarily rotating, but just closing out relatively quickly. And he is not going to make a bunch of highlight plays. He's not going to make a bunch of rebounds or baskets or anything. And maybe that's a reason to believe that it might not be enough. But to me, Zeke at bench center is not as hopeless as I once thought. And it makes me want to see what he can continue to do, even in kind of disadvantageous matchups. Like, okay, can he handle Nas Reed in the second unit? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. I would like to see it. I would like to see Denver pair him with Aaron Gordon. See if Aaron Gordon can be more of a physical player in those situations. And maybe Zeke is the guy who just switches where you need him to. I don't know. We're going to find out. Number four, this victory means Michael Porter, he remains capable of greatness when he's under control. There were clearly instances tonight where he was out of control. Anytime he dribbled, basically, 
or like caught the ball and had to make a quick move, quick decision, wasn't great. Denver at one point was running a three-on-one fast break, and rather than pass all the way across, Bruce Brown dropped it off to Michael Porter into a situation where he had to make a tough catch and then make a quick read, and it didn't go well, and Denver, I don't think that they turned it over, but they didn't get a fast break out of it, that's for sure. Those situations are going to continue to haunt him as he tries to figure out his coordination at the NBA level still. But when he slows down and when he's under control, you can see what's manifesting in his head. He doesn't have to go fast. He doesn't have to go hard in order to navigate to the spots where he can get his shots off, where he can be aggressive. His aggressiveness is a little bit different than Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, you want him to be physical. You want him to be just an athlete, somebody who's going to punish you and put you in the dirt if you are not matching up with him. For Michael Porter, being aggressive means getting his movements as technically right as possible to the point where he can get off those shots at a moment's notice. And he was doing a great job tonight, I think, of relocating to different spots on the floor finding an area where he was calm and collected to be able to hit those shots. And there were times where he even drove or he even took shots off the dribble and was very clearly in his own comfort space. He wasn't being punished. He wasn't being uh, driven off of his spot by the Celtics. And maybe that would be a that would be a thing that the Celtics would probably change in the next outing that these two teams played. They would try to get Michael Porter as bothered physically as possible. But tonight they didn't really do that. And it allowed Michael Porter to settle in and get under control. So to me, I see that and I'm really encouraged. I see a player who can get comfortable, who can find his rhythm, doesn't necessarily need to be told told twice, but he didn't even, he didn't jack up a whole bunch of shots as a result of it. He just played within the flow, took the shots that he needed to, and then for one, they won his minutes a lot. And it was great to see. I think he's capable of that and more, and I am excited to see what he does. Even on defense, like he was firmly engaged seeing the play, maybe not necessarily like fully in advance, but very clearly knew what was going on and how to approach certain situations, got a weak side block. That was great. And number five, last one, Jamal Murray should be well-rested versus the T-Wolves tomorrow. I know that a lot of people were upset. I know a lot of people wanted to see him. This was the right call. This was the right thing for Denver to hold him out, give him the extra day, allow him the opportunity to play against the T-Wolves in a situation where the Nuggets absolutely need to win. You're going to go on the road. You need somebody stable. You need somebody who can help calm Denver down in various situations. And Denver has four back-to-backs this month. They have one on the 1st and the 2nd, the 5th and the 6th, the 17th and 18th, and the 24th and 25th. So Murray will be missing at least one of each of those games. I feel very comfortable saying that. Denver's going to have to pick which of those games makes more sense for him to miss, whether he's feeling good at various points 
I have to imagine that they're going to prioritize the Western Conference matchups. So, for example, January 5th, they play, gosh, I think they play the Clippers. And then January 6th, I think they play the Cavs. He'll play the Clippers. He will not play the Cavs. feel pretty comfortable saying that. But this is going to be a thing. And Denver is the right thing to do. It is the right physical thing to do for Jamal Murray as he works his way back, as he's getting comfortable playing 30-plus minutes a night every single night. Giving him maintenance days is fine. It is the new NBA. This is just how this works. He is still on pace to play a significant number of games. And I feel pretty comfortable with where he's at. Denver should be in a good position to win tomorrow, even though they are on the second night of a back-to-back. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow night following the Nuggets-T-Wolves game, having chili, making that myself. Turkey chili should be very good. It's cold out there. Make sure everybody stays safe. Happy New Year. I know that everybody had a lot of fun. Uh, get into your uh, New Year's resolutions and don't break them. Wait at, least, uh, wait at least until day three. Should be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the program. As always, I'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.